welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. What's up, everybody? Knock On Podcast. I got the freaking men's open pro vegas champion kyle douglas dude tell me what you're feeling right now besides <laughs> I don't even jet know. lag it still hasn't quite sunk in yet <laughs> enjoy it while you can <laughs> oh yeah it's a lot like deer season you know what's going to happen is you're going to everyone's going to be talking about it and then before you know it you're going to be preparing for next year's season already so yeah you gotta you gotta freaking get in the moment bro and just soak it all up while you can <laughs> yeah that's the plan yeah it just still doesn't even seem real i mean i knew it could happen but i just never thought that it would you know and then, yeah it's just crazy you know what's awesome about it though is there what i well what i don't like is I don't like it when really good archers get into the final and then they just start making shots that aren't the shots that got them there, you know, and you kind of, you're just, Mm -hmm. I've seen Mike do it several, well, the world's seen Mike do it several times where you're just like, oh man, you know what I mean? But (laughs) dude, you you just stood up there and freaking like shocked everybody because it just went from a full group of assassins down to like, uh, yeah, well take that. Okay. Game over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everybody just kind of missed it at the same time. And I got it that time. So lucked out a little bit, I guess. Did you think it was going to happen right then? Or were you expecting it to, to kind of go down a few more times? Yeah, no, I was expecting to go at least a couple more rounds. I didn't, I didn't figure all four, of the other guys would miss at the same time, maybe one or two at a time, you know? Wouldn't it be awesome if there was scoring where it kind of just happened like like with Brady where you just throw down a score and it's just, it's over? <laughs> like you're done with your regular end and everyone's just like, dude, everyone missed, you won. And you're just like, really? I won it? I think in 900 yeah. at some point, like everyone will spaz out and a 900 will win at some weird year. You know, we're just too too many people overthink it and derail. Yeah, it could definitely happen. The pressure to shoot a 900 down there is just insane. It's, yeah, it's something like I've never felt before, you know, just trying to get those last three arrows. It's it's pretty insane. Oh, yeah. Well, I I couldn't do it. I mean, I've, I've been, (laughs) I've been at the last three arrows thing several times and, just totally, you know, shit my pants. So good for you for not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I was worried about it. Man. I was just, just trying to keep my stuff together. You know, it's like, whatever you do, just make three good shots. These last three are the ones that really matter and manage to get them in there. So did you, were you actually thinking like make three good shots or were you just saying one at a time? Well, when it comes right down to it, yeah, it's like, you know, just, make the best shot you can right now and then move on to the next one. It's like, just make a perfect shot right now. And then you move on to the last one. And 
that last throw, I just kind of had to take a break and take a few breaths. And it's like, okay, just make a strong shot. Whatever you do, don't get weak. Usually what happens when I get weak is I'll, you know, I'll dip out the bottom and miss. So I just stay strong into your bow make a good shot. Yeah. Well, you, will you miss low when you, when you get weak? Will you just dip and like that extra movement down causes the fire? A lot of times, yeah. Yep, and I tried to get rid of that a little bit this year. So I usually shoot a hinge indoors especially, and I uh, I switched over to a thumb button the start of this year and started triggering it, started punching it, and uh, that's a <laughs> lot better on me trying to uh, trying to get it off on stuff like that rather than sit there and wait for it. Because a lot of times when it dips like that, like you're saying, it'll just fire, and it always misses low, and that happens with a thumb button. I have a little bit more control over that, so I just wait till it kind of centers up and try and send it right then rather than you know, pulling on it forever and hoping it don't dip. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, I mean, do you feel like, do you feel like with your shot process, do you feel like you're kind of a, a puller, a waiter or an aimer? I pull real hard. I get real aggressive with it and I don't hold super great. So I just try and get it to the center and get it gone while it's still there rather than wait for it to float around. Cause for me, if I wait too long, it's just going to get worse and worse. I'm the same way, and a lot of people ask me how, because um, I've I've made some shots that on animals that I can't really explain to people, but I you know I tell them like I'm not I'm not punching it. I just know exactly. I know when I need to have the f- full tension that it takes for my release to fire in a certain window of time, and I feel like mm-hmm. if you learn to shoot in the wind you kind of start to understand commitment, right? You understand like I've got to get on, like I need to, this can't be waiting at 80 to 90% of my max hold time. This needs to happen in the 20 to 30% hold time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I'm the same way. When I'm shooting my best, it's almost like my sight picture fires my shot. I can just hold and it can be wiggling all over the place. And as soon as that pin stops in the center for just a second, it fires right then, whether I thought I told it to, or didn't even know if I pulled the trigger, it just, it all of a sudden happens when that pin stops in the middle. Yep. Yep. Now where's home for you? Uh, Harrisville, Utah. So up North, about an hour North of Salt Lake. Oh, awesome. So do you shoot down and you shoot down in Salt Lake the most then? Um, they've actually got a little range about 20 minutes north of me up in Brigham City, so I practice there mostly. Um, and then we'll we'll do, like, some leagues and stuff down in Salt Lake. I'll go down and shoot with some guys down there, and then, you know, they'll have little local tournaments and stuff down there too, so we'll do those. Well, the thing is, when you say local tournaments, that's not like most people that go – like, if I – okay, so, <laughs> say I went to a local tournament where I live now, that would be way different than – you going to a local tournament where there's a hub of really good shooters. And that was something that I talked about a lot to people was I had to make a full commitment to go to tournaments to where I got acclimated shooting against, I mean, you're shooting close to Gillingham. You're shooting close, close to Steve Anderson. I'm sure you see the wilds. I mean, Wilkie's down there. It's not like, it's not like you're going, you know, to freaking Lacona, Iowa to shoot a local tournament. You you shoot with some yeah. solid dudes. 
Yeah, you could show up to a local, like a local endo shooter around here. You know, you might put up 300 with 29X. And it's like, well, good shooting. Try again next time you just got beat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's not the quite not quite the same level of competition as your average local tournament. So, you know, we got a pretty good group of guys around here. So, When did you turn pro? Um, I'm not for sure. Um, I know I shot Vegas as a young adult. What are um, you, 22? I had the young adult championship. Yep. And then the next time I went to Vegas, I shot as a pro. So I'd have been 18, so like four years ago. Yep. It, so. Honestly, I I thought it was easier when I was, when I was young and then just jumped in head first because – you don't really have enough time to know any different. You just, you just, you just <laughs> yeah. gotta, you just gotta get in there and sink or swim. I've, I've talked about that so many times when people ask me about the mental game. I just feel like my mental game helped itself because I just turned pro so fast, and either I got to the level that people were shooting at, or I would have known really quick that I need to freaking pick another sport. Yeah, yeah. a lot of people you'll see, you know, they'll practice super, super hard and get all amped up for a tournament, and then they'll go, and they just, they don't shoot as good as they thought they were going to, but it's like they don't put themselves in that situation, they're not used to it, you know, you just have to, you just have to dive in head first and, and get used to because you know you're going to get nervous, you just got to learn how to fight through it, and, um, you know, just shooting on that pro line is totally different than shooting at home or even shooting with the amateurs, it's it's totally different game. Well, at one at some point, and I would assume just based on the fact of where you live, that's an advantage for you because, you know, when you when I look at who you were at on once they peer grouped the butts, you know, you were on. Well, I remember shooting. I remember shooting on the last day with with Jesse. I was shooting with. Uh, I'm trying to think, so I shot with uh, Jesse. Um, I think, I think it might've been cousins and Chris white, you know, on, on, mm. on the last day. And it got down to like the last end. And of course, you know, you're just like sweating like a, <laughs> you know what I mean? But, oh yeah, the, the yeah, fa- I know. <laughs> but it kind of gets to the point where when you, when you're going to enough tournaments to where you see those guys all the time, it makes it easier. And, you know, that's, I remember having this discussion one time with, with cousins. We, you know, when we were rooming together all the time and when we, when we practiced together, if I was on a, if I was on a target with him on a peer group, I would, I prefer like, if you put me, him and Chris white and day sitar on the same target, I was going to shoot just as good as I'd shoot in my backyard. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's almost when you're with someone that you don't know or some other pros you don't know when it makes it tougher. So the fact that you're able to acclimate with some of those really good guys, that's such an advantage. Yeah, it definitely helps. I mean, when I first started shooting as a pro, you know, it's like you're you're competing against all these guys that you've looked up to your whole life and they're like your heroes and it's like you're trying to beat them. Where now that I've done it a while, it's just, they're just another one of the guys, you know, it's just normal. It's like an everyday deal. Yeah, no doubt. 
I mean, when I was growing up, all, all the people I grew up with were, are probably in like super seniors now for you. <laughs> but, but I remember, I remember going to my first, my first tournament and I got peer grouped with, uh, like Randy Chapel and Larry Weir. It was my first pro tournament. And I just thought, don't look like a complete idiot to these guys. And I just, <laughs> I, and honestly, I feel like I'm probably under performed at that tournament because I just wanted to shoot good enough to run with, run with the group. And I didn't shoot, I didn't shoot at my capability. I shot it. I, I kind of said, Oh, they shot tens. You got to shoot a 10. Oh, you mm-hmm. know, everyone else got an eight, like make sure you don't shoot a five, you know, it was, and, and whereas <laughs> yeah. now with age, you realize these guys are having a shitty day, freaking stomp them, you know, now, you know, now's, now's <laughs> yeah. the day to pounce on them. But it was hard uh-huh. because when you're shooting with, when you're shooting with guys that you really, really look up to, it's, it's really hard, but I think, uh, I don't know. I think, I think the way you did it for Vegas, I think that's the way to do it or just roll in there as like a, freaking 45 year old man and just do it you know what i mean i think i think you <laughs> yeah. got i think you got to either roll in there as like the young freaking punk where people are like are you freaking kidding me or you have to roll in there where it's just like who the heck is this guy <laughs> you know it's like one or the other one or the others is kind of the way to go but uh so how often are you what kind of reps are you putting in? Um, really, it just depends on my schedule for the day or for the week. I'm going to school full time now, um, and I'm running my own little archery shop, um, just kind of part time to keep me going through school. So it really just depends on my schedules like that week. You know, some days, some days I'll go to the range for a couple hours. Other days I won't even get to shoot. Um, so it's just really dependent. What's the name of your part-time shop? Because it won't be part-time now. <laughs> it's called Douglas Archery. <laughs> you are you put are you throwing your are you do you dare throw your number out there for anyone in Utah who <laughs> wants to come get a personalized setup? I think that's awesome, dude. Honestly, if I can if I can if I can send a bunch of people your way right now and and I can't vouch for you know obviously I can vouch for the fact that you can sling, sling ten rings all you want. Um, for all I know, you shoot a, a whisker biscuit and an ultra knock with a, with a, you know, maybe that's how you set up everyone that buys a bow from you. But, uh, w- listen, when I was your age, well, by the time I was your age, I was at Matthews, but when I was 18 years old, I had my own archery shop and literally was, you know, selling bows out of a, out of a small pole building that I had on my family's horse ranch. Um, so I think it's awesome. You're doing like, you're doing right now exactly what you have to do. And honestly, you're in the perfect position to be super focused on, on doing exactly what you did this weekend, man. Freaking win in Vegas. That, (laughs) you know what I mean? That's, that's something that, that's something no one will ever take away from you. Now, now walk me through. So you practice when you can, obviously, 
you're going to have a little less practice time now because you're not, you know, you're not going to have to eat ramen noodles. Um, so, <laughs> so you can sit down and have a steak dinner. So you're going to have a little bit less practice time, but walk me through kind of what you went through to get to the setup that you're shooting right now and tell me what your setup is. Um, so right now I'm running a, uh, PSC super focus, the 37, um, I'm running gold tips cut short right past the rest. It's about a 200 grain point, um, and four fletch, four inch veins on the back, big stiff veins. Um, we're running bee stingers, uh, Excel sight, the Hamsky rest, Hamsky peep. Um, basically all my stuff, I think. Shrewd scope. So, okay. Let's go back to your bow. What, why did you go with the 37 versus the XL? Um, well, I've always shot a 40 inch bow ever since the dominators. Um, so the dominator is a 40 inch, the expression is a 40 inch. Um, so the perform X is a 40 inch. And then when they came out with the shoot down, I decided to try to shoot down, um, and just fell in love with that bow. I just, I got along with that bow super, super well. Um, so then moving into the, uh, Supras, I just uh, just went with 37, and it just started shooting real great for me. And I never even, I guess I still haven't given the the 40 inch Supra a super good super good chance, just because the 37 has been shooting so well for me. I don't know if it has to do with uh, just my draw length, and I'm kind of short, so it just fits me a little bit better, um, or my shooting style, or what it is. But I really seem to get along with the, the shorter bows. What uh, what is your draw length? What's your specs for your poundage and draw length um i haven't measured it out super precise lately usually it's right around 28 and a quarter on the draw length um for indoors right now i'm running about 60 pounds 61 pounds um usually for outdoors i'll bump it up to 70 for 3d and stuff like that so one of the things that i noticed and maybe maybe i'm kind of I looked at a picture of you holding your bow in the air. Did you build some custom stops for your cams? Yeah, I actually had a guy machine me some stops. Um, <laughs> that's one of the cool things about that that PSC cam is you can set it to fit basically anybody, you know. Because um, I needed, I wanted some more holding weight, so sixty five percent let off was too much let off for me. I needed more holding weight than that. What but do you I like to hold? Me some stops. They're longer, so I'm at like. 23 a little over 23 pounds right now holding damn <laughs> so, yeah i don't know what that works out to as far as percentage but less than 65 for sure do you have to have that with that much like stabilizer weight that you're shooting in rear weight um you don't have to but for me it just makes it easier to hold my bow up and just to stay strong and aggressive into my shot i don't have a super relaxed shot i, I like to get in the bow real heavy and that just helps me stay strong so is, I, I assume your valley's like shorter than a freaking <laughs> yeah, there's frog hair. No valley right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of cheating the cams and stopping them short, so it just lowers in weight. But there ain't much of a valley. Damn, dude. Yeah, the honestly, people will appreciate the fact that you did what you did more now that they know that. Because if it were me. You know, I feel like if I had to shoot your setup nowadays, I'd probably need a pair of Depends on because I'd be freaking squirting out a little <laughs> bit, like trying to <laughs> freaking stay on that wall that hard. Because I don't know. I think it 
part of it's because I hunt more, I hunt way more than I, than I shoot target now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think over time, I don't know, over time I've got to the point where I've really felt comfortable in a cam where I, where I'm not really demanded to be there. But likewise, yeah. I think that comes with your ability of how much time you're putting in. If I'm shooting on a cam mm-hmm. every, every single day, it's just like the recurve archers. Like you look at what Brady did this weekend, right? That's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's hard to even describe, but, you know, Brady Ellison goes out and shoots a 900. But the demand that a recurve has is at a whole different level versus what we're shooting, right? So, but the thing is, yeah. those guys can't put it down for a week and pick it up and do that mm-hmm. you know they have to know it's uh, it's a full-time commitment like every day like mm-hmm. a full-time job commitment so do you get to shoot every day um i try to shoot every day i don't always get every single day in but usually uh you know i would say in a week i probably shoot anywhere from four to seven days a week usually just depending on the week um yeah, like you were saying earlier, I mean, if you don't, especially with that kind of holding weight, if you don't stay on top of it and keep practicing a lot, if I take a week off, I definitely notice it for the first day or two, just kind of readjusting and everything. And especially like during hunting season, because, you know, I'm not holding that kind of weight on a hunting bow. So I'll put my target bow down from August until end of October, start of November. And when I pick it back up, it definitely takes a few weeks to get, get back in shooting shape again and back to where I need to be. What do you feel like what do you feel like people need to do to convert over from like hunting to target? Do you think there's one thing in particular that they should focus on cuz I'm a big pro advocate of um I really feel like I'm a I was or I am the bow hunter I am and I was I felt like a better bow hunter than most of my friends that I was around because of the fact that I was very adamant about being a full-time target archer. Well, I should say I was, mm-hmm. I was full-time part-time. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. do, you, do you feel the same way? And what do you think the, what do you think the small nuances are that people need to do in order to convert over? Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. It, it's tough to say. I would say, Probably setup is going to be a big deal and mentality is going to be a big deal. Because um, a lot of times on a on a, a hunting setup, I would say your average Joe bow hunter is going to be running, you know, a high let off hunting bow. He's not going to have much on it for stabilizers. He might have, you know, a big 29,000th pin or something. Um, where when you're in the target world, that's just not going to work. Usually you're going to need a little bit of holding weight. Not everybody runs a ton, but usually you're going to want a little bit. Um, you're going to need, you know, a good sight. And you're going to need some stabilization on that bow to where you can actually hold it in the center long enough to execute a good shot. Um, and then as far as mentality-wise, a lot of the bow hunters, you know, we see it all the time at, like, the, the little 3D shoots and stuff around home. They're, they'll shoot, and they won't hit exactly where they're aiming, and they're like, oh, that was just a bad one. That don't count. Like, oh, that would have killed him. And then, but it's like, you know, that's not where you're aiming. You need to really really focus on precision on every single arrow rather than shooting nine out of 10 good shots or something like that. Yeah. That is one thing that you learn with 3d that I feel like guys that go to a 3d tournament start to appreciate is Mm 
if you step to a target, you you know, you shoot one time and what that one arrow does, like that's one of the really big things that I say make me an advocate of 3D tournaments is one arrow per target is very similar to bow hunting. You know, if you if you totally cack a shot in a bow hunting situation, you know, it's you can't always say, well, it's within the kill zone. It you know, you have one <laughs> opportunity to stand up, range a target, set the sight for that target, make sure you still go through your same process, execute a shot, and then you have to like erase that and start over with the brand new slate on the next one. That's one of the things that I feel like is important. And, and I, when I practice outdoors, it's very common that outside I only shoot one arrow per, per target on my, on my outdoor range. You know, it's pretty rare that I'll shoot a group on a 3d target. I normally will just kind of be there and I'll be like, okay, I'm going to shoot the line at 50 make the shot. Okay. I'm going to shoot the grizzly at 71, set my sight, make the shot. Oh crap. Freaking had my sight set on 50 while I blanked it. You know what I mean? I feel like, <laughs> yeah. I, feel, I feel like that's a valuable thing for a hunting crowd to understand. And part of the reason why them learning to go to a total archery challenge event has value is because those are things that bow hunters make mistakes on especially if they don't get a lot of chances. Like there's guys that'll go out and they'll hunt public ground all year. And then at one point in time, a freaking spike comes out at 53 yards and they've got their, you know, spot hog site, single pin site set at 25 and they freaking just get all in the moment and make the shot <laughs> and blank it. And they're like, Oh, it's like, and you, the only way to, to like have those mistakes happen enough to where you're almost telling yourself, do not do this again. Don't do this again. Don't do this again. You, you almost, <laughs> you have to do it right. You have to do it enough. Mm -hmm. Oh, trust me. I've been there plenty. I'm in the same, but <laughs> I mean, living out West here, everything I hunt is general season, public land. And man, you work your tail off for every single shot you get in the animal. It's not easy to come by. So, yeah, when it comes right down to it, if you do something dumb and whiff it, you're going to try and remember that the next time, so <laughs> you don't do it again. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, I mean, I'm I'm living proof. This last year, uh, this last year, I, I can honestly say I had a banner year as a hunter, but the one shot, literally the one shot that I freaking wrecked was my Utah elk, and this freaking this sucker came in to like 33 yards. I mean, literally came in, heard him bugling, looked up, saw the cows come like the top of the cow's head. I see his freaking rack coming. I range his tree. It's like 37 and he comes and stops right in front of the tree. And I just, I kind of put my 30 yard pin, like kind of middle of the body and shoot. And I see it just, kind of hit the bottom you know like what i thought was the bottom of his heart i would have swore it was the bottom mm -hmm. of his heart but yeah it's literally the it's like the one freaking tag that i didn't 
make a shot on and it was the big it was a freaking full blown <laughs> seven or eight year old elk at 30 oh, something man. yards and i'm thinking every one of my pins will fit on the, every pin like if i pulled my <laughs> bow up i could have put a 20 to 60 pin in the vitals of that elk but mm-hmm. i just freaking brain farted you know and i think yeah. i think if you do that stuff enough in practice, it gets to the point where like every elk that steps out for the next six years at 31 yards, they're totally effed. I can just tell you right now, (laughs) this is burned into my mind of 31 yards. Don't do that again. Hold here. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's going to be like, you know, make sure your 40s just touching his armpit because the 30 anywhere above that solid. But mm-hmm. yeah, you, you, I think you have to make mistakes in order to make progress. Yeah, for sure. I've definitely made my fair share of mistakes shooting at animals. <laughs> okay, but, tell, uh, tell me know, one. Tell me the one that burns the most. The one that burns the most. Oh, I'm not sure. Probably, probably a buck this year that I uh, let run away on the mountain after I shot at him. Oh no. <laughs> we. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I've been, I started out the year hunting in Nevada for muleys up there, um, hunting high, man. I was just working my tail off and just, just had a real, real tough hunt. Were you um, Wasatch, up on the Wasatch front or are you further north? No. So I'm on the Wasatch, but this, so the first time I was out in Nevada, man, I was just busting my butt out there. couldn't get nothing done and came home for the opener. Um, and I'm just hunting, you know, Northern Utah and uh, just public land, you know, general season tag, and uh, had a couple bucks scouted before the season. Um, and uh, we go up there opening morning, um, find a real nice buck and another that I hadn't seen before, another solid buck that I've been watching all year, um, and end up getting my little brother on the the decent buck, and he ended up killing that one. We packed him out, and then I went in a couple days later, um, and went all up in it, and it's it's not an easy spot to get to. I mean, it's, I want to say it's like six miles, just under six miles and like 4,000 feet elevation gain to get in there. Damn. Um, yeah, it's, it's a rough one and, uh, get clear up in the top of there, get on this buck, um, put an all day long stock on him. He's better just below a cliff. Um, so get clear up top, wait for the wind to switch during the middle of the day, start coming uphill, you know, peek over the top of that cliff and he's just laying there. Perfect. He's, uh, he's like 50, 50 or 51 yards, um, 30-something degree, 32 or 4 degree downhill shot. Um, so it's a steep shot, but it's one that I've practiced a lot. I do a lot of time uh, with my hunting bow, especially shooting super steep uphill and downhill angles just because that's a lot of the shots I take, um, hunting muleys anyways. And uh, Buck stands up perfect, has no idea I'm there, come down, thought I settled the pin on him good touch it off and I just watched the arrow just sail right over his back and land in the dirt. Oh man. <laughs> I was just completely devastated. You know, I'd spent spent all that time and energy getting clear up there, just had the perfect stock, everything worked out perfect, and then when it comes right down to it I whiffed it. So it's rough day on the mountain for sure. <laughs> you know what's hilarious? I love looking back through your through all of your old picks because i see that trusty old sherlock on your hunting bow just like mine 
all all <laughs> 1999 of it or whatever year they came out with that thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I killed a handful of animals last year with that, so I just <laughs> kind of, just when I had laying around, I needed something to get set up real quick. I don't remember why he's on, but I just heard and slapped it on there and dialed her in and went hunting. So what uh, what arrows were you shooting this last weekend? Were you shooting gold tips? Yep, gold tip triple X's. Is that what you always shoot? Uh, for indoors, yeah. For you know, if they allow a twenty seven, that's what I'm going to shoot. Okay, and you can get the twenty seven. I've never got the twenty sevens to outshoot my twenty threes personally. Yeah, I've honestly I've never shot the twenty threes as much as the twenty sevens. I've just never had a whole lot of reason to. Um, I haven't ever been to a whole lot of like the USA archery stuff where you're re- required to shoot a twenty three. Um, so like for Vegas indoor national stuff like that, I always just run a twenty seven. I've never had any issues getting them to shoot. I mean, my arrows are as forgiving as I could ever make an arrow shoot. Yeah, so you're shooting. Uh... Are you shooting left? Are you shooting a left helical as well? Yep. Yeah. I'll, so I'll, I'll shoot my arrows out of my bow bear shaft and see what way they spin out of the bow naturally, and then I'll fletch them that way. And usually it's uh, left helical on all my bows, the way my my strings are twisted and whatnot. Are you Are you replacing the strings on your bows now? Yeah, I'm. I'm building my own strings for my stuff. So I'll just you know whip up a set, stick them on there. And, Get them ready to go. Are you so? Which way are you twisting them? Clockwise or counter? Um, not sure which way's which. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> let's see. So if you're looking down the string, it would be clockwise. Bottom the string. Yeah, if you're looking at it from the bottom cam, like looking towards yep. towards the bottom cam from the bottom. Because what I found is. I've had strings where I've actually just reserved them and I can get a different twist mm-hmm. even though the string itself is twisted. There's a lot of there's a lot of shit that goes on yeah. with that when that string comes through a cam, you know what I mean? Some people think mm-hmm. it just has to do with the direction your string's twisted, but I've certainly had counterclockwise strings that can that can twist a bow counterclockwise or clockwise and I've also replaced center servings on bows or, or strings that are twisted clockwise that that spin either way so i personally feel like i like to give arrows direction and a big reason why i like a four fletch is because it it does that very fast um mm-hmm. do you feel like have you shot a right versus a left and seen what yeah. actually what actually groups better or are you just yeah, I've I've done some testing on that. Um, especially outdoors, indoors not as much. I mean, it's it's a lot harder to see a difference indoors because you're only shooting twenty yards and your misses are pretty small usually. Um, but outdoors, um, like on some micro diameter shafts and whatnot, I've I've done some testing on that, and I seem to see a little bit of difference in group size if they're fletched the way that they naturally want to spin. Um, they'll group just a little bit tighter, but it's not like a, a gigantic difference. But I figure, you know. Any little tightness in the group that I can get, I'm going to get. Because if one point's going to make the difference between winning or losing a tournament, I want to try and get that point. Yeah, for sure. What do you think about counterclockwise with a broadhead? 
on a broadhead, I always fletch mine to the right just so they're not trying to unscrew on me when I'm practicing <laughs> or shooting animals and stuff like that. That's what I tell people. I just I just <laughs> tell people, listen, like for the amount of difference, if you're gonna really give an arrow direction, which if you're shooting a four fletch at a, you know I shoot a two and a half degree, if you're shooting a four fletch with two and a half degree, that arrow is getting direction real fast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Now, if I was shooting uh, like a slight offset, no helical, and I was shooting a three fletch, then I would probably rather have it turning the direction it's turning because you know it, you don't want to like if it's slow to get it to spin, you don't want it to start going the other way for too far, and then it's starting to turn back. But if you're like making mm-hmm. it do it right now, then you kind of. I feel like you correct it before the arrow is even stabilizing anyway. Cause you know, with the paradox and everything that's happened, it's that arrow, it has to go a certain distance before it's even stable. But, uh, I'm the same way. I feel like for me to do a left helical for something that, cause a lot of my stuff, I call it a hunting hybrid. I don't go out very much, even at the tack, my tack bows are very much hunting bows for me that are that let me either see the target better or maybe I've changed the stabilizer or I've got a smaller peep. You know, maybe I'm shooting a point directly into the arrow shaft or maybe I'm shooting a slightly a slightly shorter vein, but for the most part it is a bow hunting training tool for me still. And I just I don't like shooting a, a left helical for a broadhead just because of the fact of, you know, if that broadhead's not fully tightened down, you will unscrew it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm the same way. I just don't like to take any chances on stuff like that. I mean, for the amount of difference that you see fletching at left helical, especially with a big vein on a four fletch, it cracks so fast coming out of the bow. I doubt that you would see hardly any difference. What point weight are you running in the front of your your arrows right now for Vegas? Uh, for Vegas, I'm running 200 grains up front. Wow. And you got those big suckers to do. All right. What spine are you shooting on them? Um, on a triple X, I want to say they're like a 100 or a 150 spine. I'm not sure the exact spec. Then are those, are the gold tips reverse from the East end, like from a standard spine? I'm trying to think. No, they're a normal spine. They're like stiff as a Lincoln log. Okay. On the and triple you, X's. Yeah, and there's you, no you, flex to them hardly at all. And you can get it to, and you're cutting it right, you said right in front of the rest. Did you? Yeah, I'm probably eighth inch or quarter inch in front of my rest. Did you see much difference if you tried it longer so that you could weaken it up any? Yeah, I've tried that and it doesn't shoot as good. Um, for me, it, it shoots a lot better short. Um, I've never never had an issue with an arrow you know a lot of people say the arrow is too stiff and i've never had any reason that an arrow is too stiff as long as i tune it out of my bow and shoot it i've never seen an arrow that was stiff shoot bad if it's too weak i run into all kinds of problems um but if it if it's stiff i never see an issue and for me when i cut that arrow shorter just bringing that tip weight closer and closer to the rest i feel like i get a little bit more control out of my rest um just kind of corrects a little bit easier so it doesn't have as much leverage out in front of the rest and they just seem to shoot a little bit better that way i'm the same way i've never 
I've just never been a big fan of having that sucker hang all the way out there like that. You know, people that that shoot that thing full length just to get to the spine. I feel like I feel like bringing my rest a little bit behind my hand since my sight's in front of my hand, and then keeping that arrow kind of cut directly over my hand at most. I just feel like mm-hmm. I, I've had the best results from that. Yeah, I did too. You see a lot of the target guys now, you know, they're like, well, you got to break the spine down on those arrows. And I've just never, never had any luck with that. I've never had an arrow that was too stiff because they've always tuned out of my bow. It's, you know, kind of against what the majority of the target archers will tell you. But, you know, a lot of us are, are starting to, at least a lot of the gold tip guys anyways, have started to figure out, um, mostly from Tim Gillingham, you know, he's always harping on us to cut our arrows short <laughs> just to try it because that's what he's found is the best for him. And uh, so I'll let him tell me, you know, four or five or six times before I try something, and then I'll try it. Like, oh, wow, Tim, that actually really works. Thanks. I should have listened to you sooner. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you have, you need to take stuff that Tim says with a grain of salt because he, he, <laughs> he can blow your gourd really quick with with some of the stuff that he likes to f- fiddle with. What? Mm-hmm. what hun- yeah, I, I, what? Go ahead. I'm going to say, yeah, anything anybody tells me, you know, to try, I always go test it for myself and see if it really works. Um, and then, then decide on my own rather than just take somebody's word straight for it. Yeah, for sure. You have to try. I think that's with anything. I mean, I tell people all the time, you know, my number one question I always get is, you know, what, uh, you know, what arrow should I be shooting or what vein should I shoot? And it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, Hey man, we make sample packs because these are questions you can answer for yourself. If you just put in like one day's time of practice, they will like, (laughs) they will identify themselves pretty quick. You know, they, they really Mm -hmm. do. They should, they, they kind of tell you, you know, Hey, I get along good with this guy or I freaking don't get along with that guy it's it it identifies itself really fast if you if you put it to a little bit of a test yeah one thing i think a lot of like the you know your joe schmo bow hunter doesn't doesn't do is they don't test things for themselves very well they'll just take somebody's word for it and just roll with it rather than actually trying it and seeing what works for them because nobody's going to have the same setup i mean you look at everybody out there and everybody's got a little bit of something different on their setup especially in the pro class oh yeah for sure you know you you hear about all these people you know you need to have perfect form you need to have perfect form and you look at all the top professionals not a single one of them has the same form all of them have little tweaks and little things that they do differently that works for them that doesn't work for anybody else yeah i would say i don't know i would say there's a there's a select there's a high number of ones that have things that have way less possibility to break down with pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there's, yeah. there's some where it's like, okay, yeah, that guy looks like that. And obviously he can certainly win a freaking tournament. However, that's way more prone to, to break down over time. I mean, when I look at you, I really like, I love the string and arrow position on your face. I love your anchor position. Like, all that is awesome. Your front arm is 
Your front arm is very much like mine when I competed. It's a little bit more extended than what I shoot now, but I don't know. I think maybe some of that has to depend. Maybe that some of that depends on the type of weight you're shooting too. You have a buttload of weight out there. <laughs> yeah, that's something I always struggle with too. Is my front shoulder. <laughs> yeah, my front shoulder tends to creep up on me, you know, and then my hold kind of goes to crap. So I, uh, I try and keep that down in the socket as much as I can and loosen up my front hand a little bit. But it's, you know, you just do what you got to do to get them in the middle sometimes when you're in the heat of things. That's no, that's no easy task, bro. And that, sorry to break the news to you, it will never get easier to. <laughs> oh no yeah well what uh what bow are you going to be hunting with um i'll put it on the nxt 35 for hunting this year oh sweet yeah i shot the oh. i shot the 35 it was the string angle was a fuzz big for me i really like the 33 which is kind of why that was the bow i kind of went after with with the ntn um mm-hmm. i just really liked the fit and i also really liked how the cam felt you know at the at the draw length ranges that it came in in that particular size and i've just always been a seven inch brace height fan i mean all the way back since i shot a matthew's conquest it was like i loved the seven inch brace height was 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 it for me Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've shot some 33-inch bows real well for hunting. Never really had an issue, but ever since PSC came out with the uh, the Decree HD, there's a 35-inch bow. I've just kind of fell in love with that length because it's you know it's similar to a target bow where it's a longer bow, um, but it's still plenty short enough to hunt with and pack around the mountain. I just I feel like it, that little bit extra length just gives me a little bit more stability um, and just a little bit of forgiveness for me. So I've just kind of always ran that. No, between thirty-three and thirty-five inch bows for hunting usually. Oh yeah, what uh, what do you hunt at for poundage? Um, last year I was running eighty. Um, I haven't set up a bow yet for this year, so I'm not sure. My draw length's not real long, so I figured you know if I get a little more oomph out of it, I'll I'll do that as long as I'm not sacrificing any accuracy. Um, you know, you see a lot of guys trying to run too much weight and they can't shoot the bow or can't pull it back. But I just you know tested it and made sure that I was going to be able to do that with all the adrenaline and everything going on. And yeah, 80 pounds doesn't bother me any. Are you running four fletch on your hunting rigs too? Yeah. Yep. Four fletch is a two inch high profile vein just to control the broadheads. I, uh, I tested that quite a while back. I used to be stuck on three fletch and I just, I never liked four fletch, never seen a reason for it until one day I was having trouble getting my broadheads to group and, uh, stuck a four fletch on there and it was just night and day different instantly yeah i feel honestly that's my big argument on foc like i know there's foc importance when it comes to like there's importance when it comes to wind drift and obviously there's importance when it comes to like you know having some weight in the front for momentum but i also feel like there's an in-between like i feel like yeah you can go extreme but there's also an in-between to where you can take control of that arrow in the rear portion of the shaft and it allows you to shoot a very broad spectrum of options in the front of the arrow. But when you put all the 
the direction in the front of the arrow, you can really get into some trouble, you know. And and I feel like there's this there's this sweet spot of I want good front of center because I want a good penetrating arrow and I want to be good in the wind. But there's also a point, and I even had this conversation with with Brady in regards to the recurve. There's a point where you you can have too much in the front of that arrow, and the there isn't benefit to it, you know, versus what it does ballistically. Yeah, yeah, I ran the same problem before. You know, I, you start stacking up too much front weight, and I feel especially a lot with speed. You know, if my speed goes down too much, I lose accuracy. Um, to me, it's just a little bit more forgiving if I'm going a little bit faster. So if I load up my my arrow too much, I my groups tend to open up a little bit just because of that, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah, I agree. The, the faster something decelerates, I just feel like once something starts to decelerate fast, it starts to, it kind of starts to knuckleball. You know what I mean? I feel like it, it starts to Mm -hmm. get a little bit more sporadic. I think the, the better you're able to, to have the back controlling that sucker, you want enough in the front to where, the front's leading the back, but you want the back steering the front, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I've had some setups that shot really, really well with a, a super light point weight, but they're just a little bit more finicky. You know, they're not quite as forgiving. But if you just have the big veins in the back, they'll still control it. But then you start to add a little bit more weight on the tip, and it just, you know, things start to come together a little bit, and your bad shots don't miss by as far. But then, you know, it's also same thing happens when you go too much on the, the front, then you start running into problems there too. It's kind of a sweet spot in between, I think. How long have you shot PSE? Um, oh, since I was probably 15-ish. Okay, so like all of seven years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, pretty long much, I've, you know, a third of your life, a fourth of your, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You should break that down next time. Like if it's like I think you're doing a podcast tomorrow with Pool. You should be like, dude, like, freaking thirty percent of my life I've been shooting this <laughs> this bow. Yeah, yeah. Play the numbers on that. So, do you feel like? Do you feel like the cam system? is I feel like the cam system is the most underrated cam system in the industry. That's my opinion. Oh, by far, by far. Yeah. yeah there's so many people out there that just, they don't even give the PSEs a good look. You know, like they just walk over and they see a bunch of other brands like, Oh, so-and-so shoots this and so-and-so shoots this. And it's like, well, you, you know, really give it a shot. And I think once they shoot it, then they're like, wow, this is, this is really something special, you know? And, I think the best thing about the cam system that we've got going right now is just the adjustability, you know, between the draw length, the holding weight, um, just all kinds of stuff. You can really set up that bow, just personalize it to do exactly what you want it to do. Well, not to mention it's just balanced. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. you, you can make an adjustment to a cable. It doesn't totally spaz out the other cam. Uh, the cams are like, they're they're super balanced like they're dead nuts they're they're facing each other well like you don't i don't deal with cam lean like i did in the past at least and i've probably seen 50 bows so far but 
still even seeing 50, I feel like the cams are on the money. And then, like you said, the, the ability to adjust, um, I feel like I'm a little bit limited because I haven't had to adjust modules in like full spectrum and probably you have as a, as you know, having a shop, but from the ones that I have done, you know, I've gone all the way down to like Joe Rogan's draw length, which is very different than mine. And honestly, mm-hmm. I, f- I feel, well, his is the same as yours. I almost feel like his, I built him an 80 pounder and I feel like his felt better than mine. I'm like, okay, well, whatever but yeah i feel like i feel like going almost to a technically a more inefficient spot in the cam was completely opposite if i would have done that previously it would have continually kind of felt worse as i got further away from kind of the the sweet spot of the cam but it honestly it started to feel better which i was super surprised by yeah, it's kind of crazy on these cams because most of the time you see, you know, on a specific bow, they'll kind of design it around a certain draw length, and it, it tends to just feel a little bit better around that draw length. With these ones, it's pretty much through the whole spectrum of the draw length, it'll feel really, really similar. The, the engineers have done a really good job on that with this bow, um, or these this cam system, just making it, you know, to where all the different draw lengths are going to feel really, really similar to each other. Oh, yeah. Well, what's your what's your next stop? Uh, tournament wise, we're going to, uh, indoor nationals probably be the next big one. Where is it this year? Uh, I think it's in Louisville this year. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, I've shot it there and I've shot it in, um, Kansas city before. Are you taking the same rig? Yeah, we'll run the same rig. I don't think I'm going to change anything on it. Seems to be working right. So we'll just keep <laughs> yeah, if you changed it now, people would look like, look at you like you had a hole in your head. Well, all, <laughs> my advice to you, dude, is uh, obviously just keep doing exactly what you're doing. You know, the thing is, big wins like that they'll they'll continue to come. And I think based on some of the th- some of the bigger tournaments you've won locally, you know, you've beat some some massive personalities to do that. And really last weekend was no different. You know, the shot that you've been making and, and obviously your setup right now is, is freaking murking people. So just my advice, if you wanted it would be just to trust that. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's another day and next weekend, you know, that's what a lot of people from the outside that watch these things have a hard time understanding is, and, and I know you know it just looking at your social media and some of the tournaments you've been to, you know, you have another one after that one and there's another one after that one and there's another one after that one. And, you know, what what people did last weekend or the weekend before that, you know, it they just keep getting further and further away. You have to just look at, you know, what's this weekend and, and just uh, be in that moment and it's pretty freaking fun to be there for sure. I'm, I was so pumped to see that, see that happen, man. And the more I've, the more I've learned about you, I've been, I've just been really, really impressed. I can tell you that a lot of people that are, that are super close to me and people that I trust their opinion and their values as much as my closest friends, they've had nothing but great things to say about you. And, and uh, I can't do anything but wish you the best, man. 
That's awesome, man. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. No problem. Well, have fun on your next tournament, and uh, make sure you don't don't eat ramen noodles tonight. At least get like at least go <laughs> go treat yourself to to an Applebee's or something. Go get thrown out of an Applebee's or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> we'll see what we can do. All right, make that happen. Yeah, and then uh, next time I'm next time I'm by Salt Lake, I'll I'll call you for some lessons if that's cool. <laughs> I probably can't teach nothing, but we can. You can stop by and we'll shoot a little bit for sure. Cool, dude. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks so much, man, and congratulations. Hey, where and where, yeah, where can you. everybody find you? Kyle dot Douglas one on uh, Instagram. If you want to follow him, check him out. He's uh, he's got a bunch of targets with three or five holes in them. <laughs> yeah, I'm not real great at a social media game, but I try and shoot some arrows in the middle every now and then. I think you're like if I didn't if I didn't do what I did, yours would look, mine would look a lot more like yours. You have freaking targets with like a couple holes punched in them at most, some stuff that you kill in between, and other than that, you got a bunch of big checks you're holding up. So super pumped <laughs> for you, dude! And man, what a big big weekend for PSE. I mean, you did awesome, but honestly, there's so many other guys that. We kind of need to, you know, we should probably congratulate some of the other team members too because it was such a freaking awesome weekend for really the whole team, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, we had a lot of a lot of people place really good in a lot of different categories. It's just, you know, I think PSC's just been growing and growing. You know, they've always been a really top brand, but it just seems like the last year or two we just got a lot more momentum going and it just seems to keep going. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's see. uh Michael Herbert uh, did really awesome. I think in like, was it one of the junior classes? I think. Um, let's see. Cole did pretty good in the youth class. Starnes, freaking crushing seniors. Mm-hmm. He's just doing his thing. And then uh, Stefan Hansen. He, I think he was in diapers when I first met him over in Denmark. <laughs> well, for that matter. Like Martin Damsbo was in diapers then too, and I think I think him and him and uh, Martin kind of grew up together. So yeah, it's been it's been super fun, but uh, it it's been so rewarding for me to make this move to PSE, and I really knew what I found when I shot the bows, and and you know my first week or week or week and a half with them, I thought. Man, these things are so underevaluated, and you know it was obviously it was a, it was a, a gutsy and hard move for me to do that. But honestly, I think now that everybody's eyes are on there, I think the freaking people are being woke right now of just how freaking awesome and accurate these things are when it comes to well the biggest indoor event in the world. Yeah. Yeah, it's there's I I think the same thing, you know, they're super underrated for what they are. I, I honestly believe they're the best bow out there, otherwise I wouldn't be shooting them. So All right, dude. Well, have a good time and knock on everybody. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. knockonarchery.com.